Ivy and the CIA, an interview with Marty Green. Hello, everybody. Please welcome Marty to our podcast. Thank you so much, Marty. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me today. Folks, I'm Marty Green. I am a licensed and certified coach of bank and also a John Maxwell trainer. And the way I arrived at that was that way back when, in the 70s, I was a music teacher. And having to earn some extra money, as most teachers did, didn't realize that teachers were, would start out poor. And so I started to make some extra money, and I was doing that through selling pianos. Well, the person teaching me to sell pianos taught me how to close a sale. He taught me all Benjamin Franklin clothes and the assumption clothes and all those. And he taught me everything about the piano, but he didn't really teach me how to qualify customers. And so I fell flat on my face. And as a result of that, I really began to hate sales, if you can, you can imagine that. But over the years, you, you, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're coaching, training, persuading people to buy a cigar, you can't do it unless you can sell and make that connection. And I really didn't know how to do that. Now, I could do that in music. My kids, I could convince my kids to play Beethoven when what they really wanted to play was their favorite jazz song or their, their favorite rock song, but not necessarily sell a product or service. Well, fast forward years later, and I learned that unless you can sell, sales is the most important thing, that you have to learn how to do that. And the other part of it was, I wasn't because of my personality. I wasn't. I was fond of persuading people to do things, except to give me money. <laughs> and so I needed to learn how to how to do that too. And I found through reading the, the correct books that unless you that making money is really is really good for you, but it's also good for the other person because they get what you need. So the the point of all this is that a couple about two and a half years ago, I was introduced to a methodology called bank, which taught me how to make, how to be able to predict a customer's buying behavior in less than 90 seconds and be able to connect with what's in their heart so that I could reach them and talk their language when trying to sell them a product or a service. And when you take, took that along with leadership, well, now all of a sudden I could lead people because I could understand what was in their heart and what motivated them to want to be influenced and persuaded. So that's my story, and that's kind of why I'm here, because I love to share with people to help them lead their best lives, because it's all about people and all about leadership. Everything falls around leadership. If you're, if you're walking and you, you think you're leading, you turn around and nobody's following you, you're really just taking a walk. So what I do is I help people learn how to lead and how to make that connection quickly. Marty, uh, my name is Dan. It's a pleasure to get to know you. Uh, in this conversation that we're having along with our audience as we ask you questions and you answer those questions. Now, the purpose uh, and the reason that we invited you on here tonight is because, um, well, one, Ivy is great at knowing people and she knew you and you guys have a connection with bank coaching. Um, but also, we like to bring on guests from diverse backgrounds and different life experiences so our audience gets a chance to get to know you because they may never cross paths with you in everyday life. And there may be something that you say about your journey of life or your journey in business that they may connect with. And you may say the right thing that inspires them to take some action they wouldn't have taken without that. And then you can help lead them to live their best life. Now, a couple things you already said that I connect with right away are, one, 
Interestingly enough, just yesterday, I was having a conversation with my parents and we were talking about a new organ that was purchased at our church. And they asked if the organist was still the same one who's been there for many years. And in fact, this organist was my music teacher all the way back to kindergarten. And he was the organist. And I was sitting in the upper level right next to him as he was playing the organ at church. And my my grandfather-in-law, so my wife's grandfather, he's been the organist at a church. Not to say you're an organist, but you talk about piano and a music teacher. He's been an organist, uh, he's, I think, in his 80s. Uh, all the way back to a young age up in Boston. Um, so, and my son is a piano player. And if I turn the camera right now, you'd see there's a piano right there, kind of see it in the mirror. And for my son's 14th birthday coming up on December 7th, which is next Monday, I am buying him a keyboard. So like a mechanical or digital piano, because he wants to be able to have it in his room too, and be able to have some of those beats that go along with it, or be able to change what musical instrument you play with the piano. So a lot of things right off the bat that I'm like, I already like Marty. Oh, and the other thing I thought of was, so my favorite character in any movie is Marty McFly from Back to the Future. And in fact, we named our dog Marty McFox because he looks like a fox. And we thought that was a good play on words. So even though you're named after my dog, it's because I love the name Marty. So Marty, (laughs) it's going to be great to get to know you tonight. Thank you, Dan. Those are, those are great stories. And I feel connected with you already. That's awesome. I have to say I can relate with the music because I'm a classical trained pianist. Wow. And I was very, very fortunate to grow up playing on a Steinway grand piano most of my life. And my sister took that musical training to a professional level. Okay. She's a professional organist and singer, conductor, choirster. And then she's also a radio host on WETA Classical Radio. We have this music connection. This is great. Wow. Well, if you want to see the piano I learned on, I'll tell you exactly where to go. Go to the American Museum, the Museum of American History. And as soon as you walk in the door on the right hand side, the Wurlitzer keyboard I learned on is in that window. (laughs) So why is that? Why did it get to go to such a prestigious place? Your I don't know that it was exactly mine. It was, it's exactly oh, the same, same keyboard. Brand. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. That's really neat. The, the one that's here, um, and I'll actually turn the camera so people can actually see it. The one that's here is my grandmother's piano. Oh, and my. we've had that in our family for over 100 years. Amazing. Um, wow. So, yeah, we're very fortunate that I inherited that or you know was passed down to me it was so my parents had it for a long time and then I when they didn't want any more need it I was able to get it and then my dad was really keen on saying make sure one of your kids plays the piano my son happened to be playing it since he's six and he's turning 14 so what you know, really yeah no we love that kind of stuff um so one of the questions you're a coach uh Ivy and I are both coaches one of the early coaching questions that we ask all of our clients. I'm going to ask you this now. Um, And the reason for this question, um, for the purpose that we ask it is because we are curious to know if there's something that you once wish you had or would have pursued, but maybe you're like, "Eh, it's too far out of reach or I tried and it didn't work out. But if I was a genie and could grant you just one wish, what would be that wish? And I want to make a rule you can't wish for more wishes and you can't wish to become the genie because that's cheating the system. So what would be that wish I could grant you as a genie? It would be to go back to 1972 and change my major to radio and television. And for my father to have said, sure, son, if that would be more 
if that would be uh, something you'd rather do, then go right ahead and explore it. Uh, that that's not what happened, by the way. I was I was a music major, and my parents saw me as a music teacher, and that was what I wanted to be until I got to Maryland and realized that, realized that they had a radio and television department. And my dad w- loved photography. He had we had an eight millimeter camera, and he had a he had a good DSL. We didn't have DSLRs then, but but we, he he was the one who took all the family pictures. And I, and I took that on. I loved doing that. So uh, when I saw there was something radio and television, now at the time, there were only three television networks. So his response was, Marty, you're going to end up cleaning, sweeping the floors of radio stations. Is that really what you want? Of course, by the time I graduated, it was only one year until ESPN was founded. And that kind of started the revolution of HBO and other, other things like that. So it probably wouldn't have turned out that way. And certainly not with a college degree, but it, it, that was, that was the direction I would have loved to have taken. It would be interesting to know where that would have led. That segues really well into another question that I have, which you talked about traveling back in time. So like I said, I love Marty McFly from back to the future. If you could travel on a time machine, and give advice to your younger self. So you wish your dad would have just said, son, go ahead and explore that. But what advice would you have given to your younger self if you could travel back and in your now wisdom that you have now, offer advice that would have maybe changed the course of your life? The advice I would have given myself would have been, you deserve the best and you deserve to not care so much about what other people think of you. What other people think of you is none of your business. Take, follow your path and don't worry about what other people think of you. I really, really like that advice. And when you take that as your own, it really frees you to go pursue the things that you want and not care what other people think. And, uh, and it, it, it's, uh, it's empowering. So what is a habit or belief that has shaped you to who you are today? Probably the most important one would be that I can, I feel like I can learn from anyone from a, top level person all the way down to a I wouldn't use the word down all the way to a janitor I can I feel like I can learn from everybody that I meet even people I don't like and that that is that has served me very well because I've learned even things important things from people that I wouldn't necessarily think that I would have learned anything from that's awesome that just says you're you're open minded and willing to um, see, you know, how people show up and what you can, you know, take the best from them. Speaking of that, what person has made the most influence in your life? Probably John Maxwell, because John, John introduced me to a book called 15 Invaluable Laws of Change. And that book really did change my life because the the laws, their books. It's a book I read over and over again, because those laws really govern how you are, but they also govern how you can grow yourself as a person. So I, I've found I've, and of course John is the guru of leadership, and just following his life and where he start, where he started, and and seeing how he's grown, but he's really invested in seeing other people grow as well. And these helped me grow a tremendous amount. You kind of remind me of John Maxwell. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. 
something no, in the cadence and the way you speak. It it's, reminds me of him. I've seen him interviewed a bunch of times. Um, and other than that book, uh, think about this for a second. Imagine for whatever reason you were sentenced to life in prison and mm-hmm. the warden says to you before you go in to serve that life sentence, he says, you get to bring one book with you. And this is the only book you get to read the rest of your life. What's the book you bring to prison? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That was the one that started me on this path to, to growth because it really talks about the very basics of life, right? Is, is to, first of all, to, to, under, to seek to understand first and then to be understood, which has led to be more interested than interesting. And so it, it's helped me develop relationships that I never would have developed otherwise. And so that's that I would use that book because it's it's a the, the, the seventh one is sharpen the saw, right? So you you go from the first one, which is the basic, to sharpen the saw, which is start over again. So whenever you think you've grown enough, you have to be open enough to realize you're not at the end, you're only at the beginning of another cycle. There's a lot of wisdom in that book. I, I like that book. So if you could have a superpower, what would that superpower be? I think to see in, in to see in people's heart, not to see what's in their mind, but to see what's in their heart, because that's really the key to what makes people um, do what they do and make decisions, and and also what makes it's where it's where their love is, right? So I, I think that that would be the superpower I'd want is to be able to see into people's heart. And I totally agree because, as you know, doing sales training and helping people with leadership, that people make decisions for emotional reasons, right? And then when somebody says, why'd you do that? Then they have to justify it with logic. So they come up with some logical reason. But when they led, what led them to that decision was something in their heart. They felt it, right? They were feeling that feels right to me. And only when somebody says, but why? Then they have to think, ooh. So most people aren't driven by the logic, they're driven by the emotion. So that would be a a great superpower to have. Um, In teaching people leadership or teaching them sales, do you ever hear bad advice and you're like, ooh, I don't agree with that. Maybe you should avoid that and do this instead. Yes. The stupidest thing I've ever heard is go for no. Get get as many no's as you can because they'll they'll eventually lead to a yes. That's the stupidest, stupidest advice I've ever heard because I never had a no put more money in my pocket. Only yeses have put money in my pocket. That is very good advice. What is one of your biggest failures and what did you learn from it and how did you overcome it? Wow. Well, I'm going to turn that around a little bit because I don't like to talk about, well, I'd like to talk about my probably my biggest success. Uh, and that was back when I was living in New Jersey. And there was a threat from, well, okay, there was a a ruling in New Jersey called the Mount Laurel decision. And that decision forced every town in New Jersey to set a certain uh, area aside for affordable housing. And the people who lived in our town were faced, on the other side of our town, were faced with a very high density development. They they had three acres, but these people were going to build like 500 homes per acre. So they didn't like that. And so they all got into the city council and decided that the people on the side of town where we lived, that all the affordable housing was going to go on our side of town, right? And they were going to build high density housing. And to do that, they were actually going to use eminent domain and take people's homes away. Well, 
only learned about this six weeks before the final decision from a woman whose home was going to be taken, and she put a letter in everybody's mailbox. Well, we formed an organ, we formed a group, a small, a small group, to try to fight this. And I was very, I, I hated this idea because it was going to ruin the whole town. And I met with, and I, and I, I was of one political party. All of the mayors in the council were all the other party, right? So I had I I first met with one of the council people to find out what was motivating this. And he, I persuaded him that that was a bad idea. Maybe there was another way. Well, ultimately, we formed this whole group, and we only had six weeks to change their minds. And so I was mowing the lawn. I was raking the leaves one day, and I actually came up with a, a vision of how they could solve this problem to to put the affordable housing in a certain part of town that wouldn't affect anybody. And. I, we marshaled all the resources and we, we brought people to the city council meeting. The room, the room could hold about 30 people. We ended up making them move it all the way to the middle school. And there were like 400 people. We got everybody there. We got newspaper articles written. And ultimately, the vision of the town that I envisioned is exactly how it looks today. So I, I, I would say... That was probably my biggest success in life. I, I've convinced seven councilmen to vote all for that plan that, that I came up with. So that's an incredible story. Sure. Um, if you look at your life right now, and I'm sure you agree with this, it's probably a reflection of the things you do consistently, right? So the habitual things mm-hmm. or the um, the things you do probably on a daily basis. What would you say if you could pick one habit that you have? What would be the one habit that you think has had the greatest impact on your life? I guess I always ask people about themselves first. When when I'm meeting a new person, I always try to find out about them first before I tell them about myself is is one. Um, And now I think that's probably the habit I have. I have a morning routine where I do exercise, meditation, journaling, and listening or reading a book. Every, and I literally do it every morning, and then I journal about what I'm grateful for and affirmations that I know which – and I do my goals in the form of affirmations instead of what's going to happen in the future. I look at it as it is currently, and that habit has served me very well because it's helped me focus on what I'm doing right now. And I, I very much – I was born with hypothyroidism, which works like ADD. It makes you very – look at every shiny object and it's very easily distracted. And that, that, that thing that I do, that routine I do every day has allowed me to focus and, and be able to set times and be more active and, and actually get more done. So th- those are two things, one from a people point of view and two from a personal method of operation. Yeah. By the way, I would like to add to the other story about my biggest success which is that I have two children who are who live in your area, by the way. The one lives in D.C., the other in Arlington, Virginia, and they're both really well adjusted and both great kids. So I think probably that's even a bigger success than the other story. That from a personal point of view, I have having two great kids and a and a wife who loves me, and you know that all that the relationships are obviously more important than a single thing that I accomplished, but. They're, they're, they're both have their place. That's, that's beautiful. And what an accomplishment. But also, uh, I, I really like that you have established a morning to routine because it's something I've had for a long time. And I can say it's 
made me very successful or say very disciplined and consistent in showing up every day. So there's days I wake up and I don't want to start my day very, very rarely. I, I feel that way. But if I did have a day like that, just by me going through my morning routine subconsciously, it will set me up to feel so much better when I've completed it. So, and that was just one of the biggest shifts I had to, to make during this pandemic. Here's uh, a question for our audience. What is your best advice you can share with our audience? I would say that it's, that it's really all about people and that, that developing relationships and learning how the other, what, what makes the other person tick. And I think at the end of the day, what you have, you can't really do much with. It's going to be gone and you're, you're gone. But the legacy you leave as far as a person is, is a gift that you can give forever. Some, to give a compliment is the biggest gift that you can give. Marty, was there something that you wanted to share with people that we didn't ask you and you thought, oh, they should ask me that question because I wanted to share more information about something? <laughs> well, when you when you ask me what's the what's the biggest failure in your life, I wish you'd ask me what was the biggest success in your life. So you did get to answer that, obviously, because you did, did a great job at flipping it. And if you were in an <laughs> interview, this is an interview, right? But if you're in an interview for a job, yeah. I would love that as a manager interviewing somebody. I'd be like, that's great. He doesn't sure. like to focus yeah. on failures, likes to focus on successes. Mm -hmm. um, so other than the way you flip that question, which I give you credit for, was there anything else you're like, oh, I'd love to share more about this area of my life? Yes. Yeah, I would. I, and that is that, you know, when I was, I used to be a music teacher, and then I went into the field of project management. And my boss asked me, what, how, how does the music teacher fit into what we're doing in project management? And I shared with them that, that person that, being a music teacher is being a project manager. Imagine having a fourth grader who's never played an instrument before. They've ne they can't read music. They can't, they can't blow the horn. They can't do, do any of those things. And then here you are on December 17th and you have to do a concert and that, now multiply that by a hundred. That's a project. <laughs> right. And so the point of that is that I, I didn't like the life I was living as a teacher for many reasons, one of one of it was a big financial struggle, so I had to reinvent myself. The point is that you can reinvent yourself. You have to, if, if you have the mindset, and you, you, if you have the right mindset, the right tool set, and the right skill set, you can be anything you want to be, and you can have whatever you want to have. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That is, our minds are flexible, and we do have the choice to choose how we want to feel, how we want to show up and, and what we want in life. And it's based on what we focus on. Marty, if the people listening today want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to send you a message or find a website? Okay. So my email is martin at engage for success, the number four success.com. It's Marty Green, G-R-E-E-N-E. The first two E's, the, the, the green is for, for go for success, and the extra E is the empathy to care whether you do or not. I like that. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure, Marty. Thank you. Thank you so much again for inviting me. Your, your questions were fantastic, and that was, that was a lot of fun. 
To learn more about Ivy and the CIA, go to ivyandthecia.com. To learn more about Dan Crum, go to dancrum.com.